The House is still in recess and will still not return until November 13. The Senate will return on Tuesday and stay in session through Friday. Last week on the House floor, the House was in recess. This week they're in recess, so we go to the Senate floor last week. The Senate returned on Monday and voted to invoke cloture on the motion to concur in the House amendment to the Senate amendment to H.R. 302, the FAA reauthorization bill. On Wednesday, the Senate voted to concur in the House amendment to the Senate amendment to H.R. 302. The vote to pass the the FAA reauthorization was 93 to 6. Later on Wednesday, the Senate voted to concur in the House amendment to the Senate amendment to H.R. 6, the opioids bill. That vote was 98 to 1. On Friday, the Senate voted to invoke cloture on the nomination of Brett Kavanaugh to be an Associate Justice of the Supreme Court. The vote was 51 to 49, with Republican Senator Lisa Murkowski of Alaska voting against and Democratic Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia voting in favor. On Saturday, the Senate voted to confirm Brett Kavanaugh to be an Associate Justice of the Supreme Court. The official vote tally was 50 to 48, with two paired votes. Montana Republican Senator Steve Daines would have voted in favor, but was absent because his daughter got married Saturday. And his colleague, Republican Senator Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, would have voted against. In fact, she registered her vote as against. But before the vote was called to an end officially, she changed her official vote to be recorded as present, so as not to change the outcome of the votes. Pairing votes is a long-standing Senate tradition that we haven't seen much of in recent years. This week on the Senate floor, the Senate will return Tuesday and will resume consideration of the House message to accompany S-3021, the Water Resources Development Act. At 5.30 p.m., the Senate will proceed to a roll call vote on the motion to invoke cloture on the motion to concur in the House amendments to accompany S-3021. Then the Senate is going to work on more nominations, beginning with Jeffrey Bossert Clark to be an Assistant Attorney General, followed by Eric S. Dreband to be an Assistant Attorney General, and then James N. Stewart to be an Assistant Secretary of Defense. Leader McConnell has a slew of judges he wants to confirm before letting the Senate go home to campaign. And he's looking to make a deal with Minority Leader Schumer. Agree to confirm these conservative judges, and he'll let the Senate go home, fight him, and the Senate will stay there and push through this month with vulnerable red state Democrats forced to stay in Washington instead of being back home on the campaign trail. We'll see what Senator Schumer decides. On the FBI DOJ front, last Wednesday, House Republicans on the Judiciary and Oversight and Government Reform Committees met behind closed doors to interview James Baker, the former general counsel of the FBI under former director James Comey. Representatives Mark Meadows and Jim Jordan, two of President Trump's strongest supporters on the committees, came away from the four-hour interview saying it was the, quote, most informative interview they have conducted in the joint investigation saying it had, quote, fundamentally changed their understanding of the Russia probe, confirming and furthering their previous convictions that federal law enforcement agencies were biased in their scrutiny of President Trump's campaign, according to the Washington Post. John Solomon was even more explicit in The Hill, quote, congressional investigators have confirmed that a top FBI official met with Democratic Party lawyers to talk about allegations of Donald Trump-Russia collusion weeks before the 2016 election and before the Bureau secured a search warrant targeting Trump's campaign. Former FBI General Counsel James Baker met during the 2016 season with at least one attorney from Perkins Coie, the Democratic National Committee's private law firm. 
That's the firm used by the DNC and Hillary Clinton's campaign to secretly pay research firm Fusion GPS and Christopher Steele, a former British intelligence operative, to compile a dossier of uncorroborated raw intelligence alleging Trump and Moscow were colluding to hijack the presidential election. The dossier, though mostly unverified, was then used by the FBI as the main evidence seeking a Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act warrant targeting the Trump campaign in the final days of the campaign. The revelation was confirmed both in contemporaneous evidence and testimony secured by a joint investigation by Republicans on the House Judiciary and Government Oversight Committees, my source tells me. It means the FBI had good reason to suspect the dossier was connected to the DNC's main law firm and was the product of a Democratic opposition research effort to defeat Trump, yet failed to disclose that information to the FISA court in October 2016 when the Bureau applied for a FISA warrant to surveil Trump campaign advisor Carter Page. Quote, this is a bombshell that unequivocally shows the real collusion was between the FBI and Donald Trump's opposition, the DNC, Hillary, and a Trump-hating British intel officer to hijack the election rather than some conspiracy between Putin and Trump, end quote, a knowledgeable source told me. Baker was interviewed by lawmakers behind closed doors on Wednesday. Sources declined to, div- to divulge much about his testimony, other than to say it confirmed other evidence about the contact between the Perkins Coey law firm and the FBI. The sources said, F- said Baker identified lawyer Michael Sussman, a former DOJ lawyer, as the Perkins Coey attorney who reached out to him and said the firm gave him documents and a thumb drive related to Russian interference in the election, hacking, and possible Trump connections. Information gathered separately by another congressional committee indicate the contact occurred in September, the month before the FISA warrant was approved. A spokeswoman for the FBI declined comment. Spokespersons for Perkins Coey and the Justice Department did not return a message seeking comment. End quote. House Republicans on the Judiciary and Oversight and Government Reform Committees will meet with Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein on Thursday of this week. They're expected to ask him about these revelations from former General Counsel Baker and about that New York Times report from two weeks ago saying he had suggested wearing a wire against the President of the United States and had suggested recruiting cabinet members to invoke the 25th Amendment against President Trump. Stay tuned. On the Supreme Court front, we won. On the trade front, when last we talked, we had just heard that negotiators had reached an agreement between Canada and the United States to revise the North American Free Trade Agreement. We didn't really have enough time before we got on this call a week ago to dig very deeply into what had been agreed to as the announcement was made just hours before the call began, and I promised I would look into it and give you a thorough briefing this week. Most of the reporting I've read in the last seven days begins with the premise that much of the old NAFTA agreement is left in place. But there are several key differences, especially in the areas of the dairy industry and the auto industry. First, to the auto industry. On cars and trucks imported from Canada and Mexico, the new agreement requires 75% of auto components to be built in North North America, up from 62.5%. In order to receive duty-free access, that's phased in over five years. 
40 to 45 percent of auto components will have to be manufactured by auto workers making at least $16 per hour. In a concession to Mexico and Canada, the deal mostly exempts passenger vehicles, pickup trucks, and auto parts from possible U.S. tariffs. On the dairy front, U.S. farmers will get more access to the Canadian market. In fact, they'll get more access to the Canadian market than they would have gotten under the Trans-Pacific Partnership Trade Agreement that had been negotiated by the Obama administration. Congress will have to consider and pass the agreement on a thumbs-up or down vote early next year. And that's our Washington Report for this week.